Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hello, I'm Jeff Bast from Bast Amron. I'm Brett Amron from Bast Amron, and this is The Practice Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about Chapter 11, but specific issue of Chapter 11. You know, when, when a debtor or prospective uh, debtor comes to us, we always talk about trying to avoid bankruptcy. But in the event that bankruptcy is unavoidable uh, and is filed and is a Chapter 11, we always come up with or try to come up with an exit strategy before we put the clients in. And one of the big issues that's popping up today is always an issue, but there's some unique issues that are around it, which is lease agreements and executory contracts relative to lease agreements on both sides with tenants and landlords as a result of the COVID-19 crisis. We want to talk to you about some of those issues that are popping up today and some of the things we're seeing out of courts, not just where we are, but across the country that have issued some orders relative to that. Yeah. And it's, it's actually not in it. It's not unique to Chapter 11. Obviously, the issues in Chapter 11 are operating issues. As chapter 11 is reorganization and Chapter 7 is liquidation. These are issues that come up in, in almost all bankruptcies. And we're seeing it on both sides. Some cases we're representing the tenants. Some cases we're representing the lessors. But lease issues, and these are not, you know, prim- we're talking primarily about commercial leases for, re- for real property, but this is an issue for any type of executory contract or lease. And a, an executory contract is really one where performance is outstanding on both sides of the, of the agreement. So it could be a commercial lease, it could be a service agreement, it could be a lease of a piece of equipment. These issues come up in, in almost every a bankruptcy case, but we're seeing it now, particularly where a lot of locations, business locations are closed. These are hot topics. Lessors are not getting paid. Tenants are not able to pay rent. Lessors are not paying. We're getting contacted by tenants and lessors in cases around the country, particularly in the retail space. We're seeing there's so many filings with multi-locations, multi-debtor locations that are impacted by COVID and the the state court, I mean, the state, the various state orders requiring shutdowns. So the issues are, I mean, there's, there are a number of issues, but we can be, we can talk generally about executory contracts. A debtor in a bankruptcy case has this great power, the right to assume or reject contracts, executory contracts and leases. So they have that right to either keep the lease or get rid of it. And rejection is kind of a cleaner and easier topic. They, if the lease is rejected, it essentially affects a breach, a breach as of the bankruptcy date, the petition date, and the, the lessor in that circumstance wants a couple of things. One is they want to get paid, so they want to maximize their claim and make sure that the rejection date is, is as of the latest date that they can that they can secure and that they can secure the, the premises, that they get the premises back and that they get paid. So in some cases we're seeing, and a lot of um, you know, we're seeing a varied approach across the country. In a lot of the cases, in some they're rejected right as of the right as of the beginning of the bankruptcy. We saw one case recently for a client where almost all the leases were terminated pre-bankruptcy, at least those that they planned to reject, and they were handing over the keys. We had a client that didn't get the, the keys; they hadn't been given possession, so we were 
uh, not fighting, but working to get gain possession of the premises as early as possible. And now we're trying to maximize their claim in the case so they can hopefully recover some of the money. But even the claims in a bankruptcy as a result of rejected of a rejected lease are capped at generally one year or 15% of the balance of the lease with a limit of three years, but it's usually around one year. Just to jump in for a second, there's a, I know there's uh, tenants, you know, sometimes take advantage of the time allotted to them. I know, you know, with executor contracts to assume right. project, you know, with, with real property, there's a, a smaller window with, within which they have to assume or reject. Landlords want to push that. You know, what have you seen, if anything, in terms of some, you know, judges requiring them to move faster or, or giving them more time, giving tenants a little more time to determine right. whether or not they can assume or reject? Well, generally, you know, in, in Chapter 11, there's a general proposition that a debtor has to maintain its obligations during the, the Chapter 11. So while you're operating, again, in Chapter 11, a debtor continues to operate. While they're operating, they have to meet their obligations post-bankruptcy. But ordinarily, they're given great latitude in doing that. They have to pay at they, the expenses during the bankruptcy calls are called administrative expenses. They have to pay all of those by the time they get to confirmation. The commercial landlord organizations had a good lobby and they negotiated favorable treatment in the bankruptcy code. And it requires a debtor to pay during the case their lease obligations, but the code has given the debtors 60 days. So there's a 60-day breathing room before any of those obligations start coming due. The debtors have 60 days. And then after the 60 days, they're required to pay. But the effect of non-payment essentially is a claim, which has to be paid by confirmation. So there's always a timing issue. And what we're seeing now, actually, in a bunch of cases, is even that 60-day window is, is becoming expanded. In fact, there's a lot of, um, there's quite a few retail cases in, in which the courts have entered what many are calling mothball orders. And in the mothball, they're basically suspending the whole case and all of the obligations. So nobody's getting paid. And those time periods have expanded way, expanded way beyond the, the 60 days. So we are in unprecedented times and we're seeing unprecedented you know, uh, movement in Chapter 11 cases. So that's favorable. Obviously, those mothball orders are favorable to meaning, you know, like you said, the, cases, the case is stayed relative to the executory contracts. There's no, you know, the debtor doesn't have to assume or reject. The debtor doesn't have to pay anything. And so if I'm a, if I'm a landlord, right, as you said, we do both sides. If I'm a landlord, what do I do? I have obligations, right? If, if I have, you know, if I have yeah. obligations to my lenders, if I you know, have to make payments to vendors to keep the lights on for other clients, if I own a shopping center or a mall, you know, what's a landlord to do? At that point, what what can a landlord? It's, it's a tough, yeah. I mean, it's a tough issue. You hit Brett. That's exactly what the leftovers are saying in in cases around the country. What about us? We have uh, we have mortgages. We have we have some of them have their own landlords because some of these are you know there's a ground lease. And so, right. in many of these cases, you know that's what the landlords are saying, and so the courts are struggling with finding that balance between protecting the leftovers and protecting the tenants, and really. Uh, this notion in Chapter 11 that everybody, that society's better off at this business surviving on some level. So for lessors, they want to obviously, in, in, in many respects, it's too late to try to do this now, but you want to have as much security as you can in terms of a security 
deposit, maybe a letter of credit, uh, corporate guarantees or personal guarantees from from uh, from non-debtor entities. Obviously, they want to keep tenants as current as they can in advance of a bankruptcy. And so if they have wind of some filing, they want to try to collect payments as much as they can pre-bankruptcy. Got to retain counsel early on because in a lot of these cases, things are moving very quickly and orders are entered in the early days of the case. And by the time some creditors lawyer up, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the protections have already been diminished. And so it's important to be involved early on so you can you know, protect and preserve your rights. But courts are, you know, the bankruptcy courts are gaining flexibility and they recognize that we are in these unusual times and yeah. it's, a, it's a struggle. Yeah. And I wonder if, you know, look, I mean, I think some of these mothball orders came I don't want to say at the beginning of the pandemic, but early on or earlier in time. Yeah, for sure. And I think some of the judges probably said, you know what, let's take a pause. I guess, I'm guessing, of course, but that some of the judges took and said, you know what, let's, let's pause and see what happens here. Because, and, but nobody, I think, anticipated that this was going to continue on in the fashion it has for as long as it has. And so as it continues... Right. I think judges are going to have some really hard decisions to make relative to, you know, balancing between, you know, trying to right. get this debtor through a chapter 11 and the landlord's obligations and rights too, right. because, you know, you can't have a mothball order in place forever, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. Some, a couple of cases even filed even before the COVID crisis really occurred. And so in, you know, one or two of the cases, there was a sort of a liquidation plan, not, not a plan, not a plan of liquidation, but a plan to liquidate some of the stores. They were shutting down some of the locations or in some instances, all of them. And then the shutdowns happen. And so you can't really have a going out of business sale, if you will, when stores are closed. And what happened is in many of them, most of the creditors, either the committee of unsecured creditors or the secured lenders, supported the, the mothball. And so you know, remember, I think what a lot of people lose is that bankruptcy courts, that's why what our practice is so unique, is that bankruptcy courts are court of equity. And so the bankruptcy court has to find this, this balance between what's in the best interest of all creditors, even though some creditors are obviously going to be harmed by those actions, what's in the best interest of the estate and all creditors. And that, that's a struggle. But I think in many instances, what we look at is is this creditor worse off as a result of the action of the court? And so oftentimes you'll see for, you know, for a lessor, maybe the most compelling thing they could argue is that, hey, I have another prospective tenant for this location and you're precluding me from doing anything. I can't evict this tenant. I can't do anything. The debtor that's in bankruptcy. And so here in this crisis, no landlord can really come in or I don't, I'm not aware of any, can really come in and say, I have another tenant for this space. You know, it's a restaurant or it's a retailer. There's not a lot of restaurants knocking down the doors. And so I think a lot of courts are looking at this from what's the alternative? Am I really causing harm to this lessor by precluding them? Because really, the big, um, besides the mothball, but the, 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 the major stumbling block to a lessor is the automatic stay. The automatic stay in bankruptcy is precluding them from taking their normal actions that they would take. And so I can't, I can't collect rent and I can't evict them. I can't, I'm stuck. But the bankruptcy court saying, well, what, you know, what would you do otherwise? And the other 
The other piece that we, you and I haven't touched on yet, which is coming up in almost all these cases as well, not just bankruptcy cases, is the challenge to the obligation to even pay rent. A lot of lessors are looking to those provisions of their lease, the force majeure clauses or impossibility or frustration of purpose for takings and saying, hey, I've been shut down by the government. I cannot operate. The, the purpose of this lease is frustrated. And the lease, and depending on the applicable state law and the, and the terms of the lease, they may not have an obligation to pay rent. And further to that point, which is that there's a lot of you know, stays on evictions right now, right? Depending upon where the yeah. jurisdiction, where the business is and where the action can be asserted, there's a lot right. of moratoriums on stays, uh, excuse me, on evictions right now. And so, you know, I think the pitch to, for a tenant, the pitch to a bankruptcy court is judge, they couldn't even get an, if, if you're in that jurisdiction and it falls within that fact, you know, right. judge, they can't even go get an eviction right now. So right. let's, right. you know, let's stay it or yeah. mothball it, you know, and that's, that's putting landlords obviously in a, in a difficult bind with their, you know, yeah. again, yeah, with their, tough, it's a tough issue. Yeah. It's, it's a tough issue that I think will, you know, my guess is we'll start to evolve and things will start to happen, you know, instead of mothballing as, you know, each week and month continue, you know, it's going to be harder and harder to just continue a mothball unless there's yeah. other things happening behind the scenes that give the bankruptcy court the confidence that perhaps this business will be able to come out and thrive. Um, and I think, it, you know, like we talked about, which is, you know, e-commerce to the extent that there are some retailers that are able to, you know, generate some revenue through e-commerce and not, you know, and perhaps if their brick and mortar locations are closed yeah. or only operating at a reduced capacity, if, if they can pick up some revenue that way, you know, maybe there's some light at the end of it. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, e-commerce is keeping a fair amount of businesses alive, but it's just not, it's just not enough. There's no way they can make up. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, restaurants, a lot of them are doing takeout and delivery, right. but it just doesn't make up for the in 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 store service, and I think you know you and I are the conversation we're talking about with the mothballers mostly comes up in large national retail chains, right? You know, Models, Pier One, Craftworks. We're seeing it all over the place, but this doesn't really touch on the small business, the small mom and pop restaurants who really don't have that that luxury and are really are going to have a much more a difficult time. And you know, we're not going to real many of them are not going to survive, but the important thing for them to realize is that there are, are some protections and that bankruptcy does provide some breathing room. What it doesn't do is it doesn't allow you to force a modification. So you can't, if you want to file a bankruptcy and negotiate with your lessor, you can do that. But the bankruptcy court cannot force the lessor to modify the lease on a long-term basis. And if a tenant in bankruptcy wants to keep that lease, they have to assume it. In order to assume it, they're ultimately going to have to cure whatever defaults there were. Now, whether or not those defaults require the payment of rent based on what we talked about, impossibility and frustration of purpose and force majeure, you know, that remains, that's going to be a function of the term of the lease and the applicable state law. But these are challenging issues and challenging times. And uh, yeah. we're going to have to, we're, you know, we're taking it step by step. But the important thing for Either a tenant or a or, or a lessor is get in contact with a with a knowledgeable restructuring attorney who can guide you through this process and do it early. 
Yeah, agreed. And I think you raised a good point, which is a lot of what we were talking about with the mothball is, you know, businesses across the country and the basis for the fact that, hey, we're trying to bring back jobs across the country in a lot of locations. Small businesses that have one or a couple of locations don't really have that benefit or that argument. And so it yeah. makes it a lot, lot more difficult for them. And so proper planning, proper advice and consultation with professional to hopefully try and save the business yeah. and try to negotiate with landlord and creditors really is, is the best way to right. do it. We've mentioned the, you know, the SBRA, the subchapter five, which is the new small business provisions. And I think that's going to be, a, uh, will continue to be a useful tool. And the thing with, with chapter 11 is it's a system of consensus. So in most chapter 11 cases, we tend to work things out. And so it, it provides a real nice vehicle for negotiation among parties, lessors and, and tenants. And so I expect that, you know, we're going to continue to see more and more filings and um, hopefully we can save some small and mid-sized businesses as well, not just the big national retailers. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Thanks, everybody. Well, thanks. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.